Hello, beautiful. This is Reverend Jennifer Hadley, and the recording you're about to listen to is part of the Living a Course in Miracles teleclass. Our intention in offering this class is to give you clear tools and practices that you can use to align with love every day in every area of your life. No one can do your healing for you. You must decide to choose love in every moment to the very best of your ability. Remember, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Intend to live a miraculous life of love and share the benefits of your healing and your expansion with everyone because you're one with them. Please pause the recording before the class starts and write down your intention in listening to the class. Partner up with your own higher Holy Spirit self. And please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the class. All right, everybody, I'm going to invite everyone to just tune in. Let's take a breath here together. So here we are, Living a Course in Miracles, week two. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we've got Ian Patrick here today. And Ian is the author of a new book called Of Course. How many light bulbs does it take to change? Welcome, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> so Thank let you for having me. Yes, we're so glad to have you and to tune into this topic. Our topic this week is life, death, and the illusion. And before we go any further, let's take that deep breath and tune in with a prayer, a blessing. I invite everyone to... Place your hand on your heart. We're taking this deep breath of gratitude together and remembering that Course in Miracles teaches us to seek the kingdom first, to seek the treasure within, knowing that all else will be added unto us. So we place our hand on our heart and We take these deep breaths of love and gratitude, remembering that the kingdom is indeed within it. It's pre-installed, that it is our true identity to love and be loved, that we are love. We're remembering our true identity right now as we join together and open our hearts and minds to the highest possibility of our life. We open our hearts and minds to an understanding of the truth that is unprecedented. And we welcome this opportunity to consciously connect and commune with the higher Holy Spirit self. We invoke divine grace into our awareness. So grateful to consciously release any false identity, any uh, identification with the ego or the thoughts of separation, 
the thoughts of lack and attack. We surrender them right now. We open to the Holy Spirit as our teacher teaching through Ian. We awaken to our divinity and we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and in gratitude, we joyfully let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So, Ian, I want to say first and foremost that I really appreciate your willingness to share on this topic of life, death, and the illusion because one of the most challenging topics for most of us is that clear perception that this experience we're having in 3D, I call it 3D, the illusion, uh, that it's, it is an illusion, it's a dream, and that we are, we're not born, we don't die, we're eternal beings, infinite beings. Because right. I, I remember once I went to a Course in Miracles study group, I just dropped in to visit on one, um, and someone was saying there um, that, how do I understand this is an illusion when it seems so real and life can feel so excruciating so painful particularly when someone seems to have died that we love or a precious dog or a cat or something is happening in the body how can we even begin to open our minds to the idea of true reality versus an illusion when we're having such a visceral physical experience of pain and suffering and depression and these kinds of things. So this is a really uh, challenging thing for most people, and uh, you've agreed to help us open our minds to it and break it down, make it simple so that we can practically uh, open ourselves to this teaching. I just so appreciate you for that, and I'm sure you've had this question many, many times over the years. You've wrestled with it yourself and uh, just how do we begin when it seems so real how do we begin well I think the first thing is to um, actually acknowledge how uh, how much we have bought into the illusion and for all of us who believe that we're here in these bodies in this world you know we we it, it, the illusion seems real. I mean, it doesn't seem like an, an, an illusion at all. Um, so I'd be surprised if I ever taught a workshop where that question didn't come up. You know, mm-hmm. it, pretty much, pretty much everyone I do, somebody says, "Oh, but it seems so real to me. I really struggle with this idea." Well, you know, it seems so real to all of us. So um, I think, you know, if we start. If you, if we start going around saying, oh, it's just an illusion, it's just an illusion, I think we're kidding ourselves, actually. I think we've bought into it hook, line, and sinker, if you use that phrase in, in the United States. <laughs> we do. Um, we believe it. Yeah, you do. You, we believe in it totally. And hence, we need something like A Course in Miracles to begin the undoing process. You know, oh, so no. often I get something's going on and... Well, even even since we're talking about life and death, even when someone dies, someone will just say, oh, it's just an illusion in the first place. You know, they weren't real. They weren't their body. But that's not 
I think that's true, of course, but that's not really where we're at. So we have to start with where we're at. Um, keeping in mind the the truth with a big T, with a capital T, that we're kind of heading towards in our experience, and, uh, and at the same time sort of be okay with being where we are now here. And we're on the we're in the process of undoing the beliefs. We're not at the end yet. Yes. So beginning where we are, how do we begin? We begin with our everyday experiences. Every time we are challenged in some way in our lives, and life is challenging, mm-hmm. if you hadn't noticed, for most people. <laughs> <laughs> so every time we're challenged, we're being presented with an opportunity to see it differently, to make another choice, to choose against the ego, sometimes against every, you know, every sort of sinew of our body, which is saying, yes, 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 it's really, you know, this happened, this person did something to me, this thing has happened, this terrible disaster, this tragedy's happened, it's all very real, every, you know, our body may be, and our mind may be screaming that, but mm-hmm. somehow we... Uh, begin begin to work with the principles of the Course in Miracles to to undo that, maybe just one step at a time. So let's say someone is new to the course and they haven't, they don't even own a copy yet, but they're they're feeling drawn into these teachings. They have perhaps they even have some sense, as I I had, uh, that it's it's an illusion and that this is a dream, that my thoughts are being projected out into my life experience, and I'm noticing that uh, my experience doesn't come before my thoughts. My thoughts come first. I've started to notice this. and uh, But at the same time, I, I'm still liking the idea <clears throat> of blaming others for my problems, and my suffering so I'm really attached to the idea that it's real and that it's happening to me rather than it's happening in my mind in my awareness kind of like I point people to the movie The Matrix to help them because in The Matrix Neo plugs in that program into the back of his head and he runs the software and it seems so real but it's not just happening in his mind. So, I think all of us are aware of the truth at some level in our, in our minds. We're aware of of having that thought, which is being um, outpictured on, on on the world. So, if we can if we can hang on to that, if we can find that that thought or just get a a glimpse of it or an inkling of it and know that that is that is the truth and what the world is telling us is the truth is not um, then that's a that's a start but the whole of the course of miracles really is that training program to get us to turn our attention from the outer world to to the truth within every every lesson 
of a course of miracles is 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 a step in that in that direction um so i just encourage a new someone who's starting with a course of miracles to to get the book and uh if they feel drawn to it and to begin to 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 work with it starting from lesson 1 which which throws us straight into the whole area of the uh, of the illusion the lesson 1 is of course um nothing i see in this room means anything um nothing i see in this room on the street whatever the rest of it is um mm-hmm. so it's it, it's beginning to get us to look at the illusion nothing in this world in this room means anything because um because it's an, an illusion because we've created it it's inherently neutral in your- and that sort of exercise that's, that's almost guaranteed to bring up all kinds of um uh, resistance to the idea in your book of course how many light bulbs does it take to change you you share your light bulb ahas your experiences and so going back to your first introduction to a course of miracles and can you share perhaps a, a light bulb moment for you when you started to recognize that what's real is infinite and eternal and that this is an illusion and your thoughts are um, bringing forth your experience. Well, one thing that I came, that comes to mind on the subject of death, we may talk about that. Yes. Um, and this is, I share this in the book, there's a couple of chapters they're only short chapters, so it's only about like four or five pages on the subject um, mm-hmm. of my father's death, which was nearly ten years ago now. And I remember so vividly and so clearly. Obviously, it was highly charged, in, you know, emotional time. And um, I, I had a telephone call to say that he, he had, well, he was near death, and I was kind of getting ready to, to travel down to where he was in the hospital. And then I got another phone call to say he, he died. And um, so I went to my mum's house and picked her up, and we went to the hospital. And I'd been there just four, three or four days before, and he was still lying in the same in the same ward, in the same uh, in the same bed where I'd seen him a few days before. And it was just I, I this is not too macabre, but um, his body was lying there, and it was mm-hmm. just like this thing. It wasn't him. Yes. It was so clear, it was so obvious that this thing wasn't him, that he'd gone. And so that was what, that was a light bulb. I suddenly go, oh, of course, you know, it's, this, this thing that this is body is not him. It's not, and my body is not me. And, you know, that, that distinction between what, every, everything that I thought my dad was, um, and everything I think I am is not it's not us at all. It was so clear. I don't know whether my mum got it, but but I certainly did. And um yeah, that was a real that was a real lesson in in the reality of life and death really for me. So what do you think it is that creates such deep suffering for people when 
they are dealing with these life and death matters? What do you think the thought is that they're thinking that creates so much suffering? Well, I think it's the, 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 the belief that it's real, for one, and the resistance to their experience. Can you say, I, say more I, about that resistance? Yeah. Well, I think if we just... Life is painful. You know, if we just experience pain, just accept it fully, then we don't suffer. I think it's the, it's the, it's the resistance to our pain, our resistance to the experience that we're having. Rather than just letting it be, whatever it is... Um, our resistance to it that causes us to suffer is because we're—I don't know—it's—it's—it's it's, a—it's a battle against against what what is, or rather, what appears to be. You know, we're we're sort of—it's a—it's a—we're we're just resisting whatever our experience is, and that causes suffering. Almost resisting reality. I'm mean, using reality with a lowercase r. Um, we're resisting what's going on in the world, in the world, and you you can't. It is what it is. Can you give an example of how you've learned to accept it? How do you work with yourself when you're feeling that resistance? Well, I'm not I'm not claiming that I've achieved that state, <laughs> right? But I know. So actually, I won't speak about myself. <laughs> I mean, there are there are moments, I, I, but I I know. Well, Lee Jampolsky tells a wonderful little story about. Um, I think he's a monk or something, and he's got and he's very old, and he's got I think he's got cancer, and he's dying, and he's fading away, and his body's in a lot of pain, and the the um, the disciples, whatever the word is. Um, come to him and say master master we're really sorry that you're suffering so much and he says he says um he says oh it's much pain much pain no suffering so he's just <laughs> allowing his pain to be <laughs> right. um no, but because it's not easy i think that like the default um the default mechanism in our minds is a of the ego, we get straight into into that, and we and the ego wants to resist and fight, and um, believes in the reality of the situation that it finds itself in, it's attached to pain, attached to suffering, attached to blame, all that sort of thing. That so we immediately go into that, and this is where the work comes in, really in turning that around. And how do you turn it around? I ask for a prayer, basically. I ask for help. I ask for help in seeing the situation differently. Um, to find another way of, of seeing it. To finding the gift in the situation. Mm -hmm. To asking what the lesson is for me to learn in the situation. All of those things. Or just... just even without giving it any any words, just handing the situation over to to spirit in my mind, just offering it because he says in the Course of Miracles to bring him everything. 
you know, including all our pain and suffering. Now, many people Just, tell me, I'm so glad you brought this up, Ian, because many people have told me that even though they've heard me say someone's in one of my classes, my year-long class, Masterful Living, or some my Finding Freedom, my seven-week class that I do, um, they'll say, I know, Jennifer, you say to to do exactly what you're talking about, Ian, invoke the Holy Spirit, turn it over, but they resist doing that. Mm-hmm. They resist doing that. There's uh, often a sense that people really either value or treasure or hold on to whatever the thought or belief or experience is that is creating the appearance of suffering and uh, they don't want to what i call it partner up and i I say partner up with the holy spirit partner you know up (laughs) and turn it over and they resist doing that what i'm sure you've felt that I have felt that a bazillion times. What What is the practice that you have or that you share with people to help them not hold on to it and to give it over? Well, I think the reason why, I'm sorry, I think the reason why they are so attached to the problem, to the pain, is is everything I've said, that we we, we bought into this and we're totally, um, almost totally um, have bought into the to the ego standpoint um, one way out of it and so resistance is going to be natural so we can expect and sometimes I think it's the last thing like say forgiveness is the last thing that I want to do I'll try I'll try every kind of uh, technique every down to positive thinking or none of that works you know maybe <laughs> maybe getting getting even <laughs> with them. Um, and forgiveness is the last thing you know, it might be sometimes, you know, hours or days, although I must say I'm getting better at it. As I practice this, it becomes more and more something I turn to, that I turn to sooner than, than I used to. Um, but it's not the, it's not the, it's still not the natural, um, um, reflex reaction. But one of the things we can do when we, when we notice that something is going on for us and we're resistant to any change is to ask what the payoff is for us for staying in the situation. What's the benefit? There will be right. some benefit on some level for uh, for suffering. <laughs> um, bizarre as it seems, however painful, however difficult it will it, it, it may be, to be experiencing what we're experiencing, this what makes us want to continue is that we're getting we're getting something out of it. There so is some if, benefit. Once if, you see what that is, you can begin to see actually that you do have a choice, and you may want to continue in that painful place and continue to 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 receive that that benefit, however perverse it sounds. Um, there was a day I remember very clearly uh, in my own life. I, I think I woke up in the morning just feeling really angry, and I didn't know why. I don't. I don't know what it was about. Um, but I did my Course of Miracles lesson, and I'm still feeling angry. And I sat and I sort of 
said a prayer. I was still feeling angry. I tried everything that I could think of to shift the situation. And about halfway through the day, I was still feeling angry. I just said, okay, clearly this is what you want right now, and it's okay. And I just gave myself permission to be to be angry. So I think I then stormed around the house for a, a few minutes, really, because it went that quickly. Mm-hmm. Again, this ties into, like, what you resist persists. What, it's the resistance that causes the suffering. Once I said, it's okay to be angry right right now. This is clearly what you want. It's fine. Um, then that just kind of lifted, uh, like it was a weight lifting off my shoulders. And the, and the whole thing just kind of uh, melted away, really. Um, so when... But there was some... No, go on. No, you you go. Oh, I was just saying, so there was, there was, there was some, there was some payoff for me being angry in that moment. And, but I just had to, to get a little bit of clarity about, you know, because I was telling myself, no, no, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. But clearly I didn't. <laughs> it was some benefit for me not having the peace. I hate when um, that happens. Once, oh, isn't it annoying? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I find that for me, when, when that happens, uh, I want to be right. I want to hold on mm. to my judgments. My opinion. Yeah. Yeah. At the cost of my suffering, I'm willing to pay it. That's right. Well, I think that's the that's one of the benefits that of being right. The ego wants to be right rather than happy, and the, its payoff is being right. There, you know, told you yeah. so. Now, when someone you know, that just that's that um kind of uh, righteous righteousness and that uh, you know right sort of righteous anger um, you know why should I forgive you know after what they've done that kind of thing you know if you'd only if you if you'd only heard what they what that person said or if you only saw what they did that kind of thing you know that's that being rightness exactly now when it comes to a loved one is making their transition. That's what I was taught to call it in New Thought. And I actually really like that word, making the transition. So making the transition from the experience in 3D to the unlimited infinite intelligence or however we we would think of it or describe that true reality. We're making that transition in our awareness from identification with the body to pure spirit um, and we're laying the body down however we want to articulate it making that when someone we love is dying so it seems their body seems to be dying and it can seem so painful uh, and where people are suffering there's resistance what do you think are some of the primary thoughts that people are thinking that is are creating that suffering that and what is the thought that we can replace it with I was um, yeah, I was thinking about this beforehand and one of the, the ideas that I find is quite 
helpful. And I shared this with someone the other day, and they just went, "Wow!" It was um, that. So this is quite this is quite a theoretical point, but I find it quite helpful. Um, that there is no, there is no death in truth because there is no life. So the, there is no life here. So the death that we are perceiving happening in front of us, the, the slow fading away, this um, what you, laying their body down, as you put it, um, is no more real than than being born into this illusion. And so, reminding ourselves of that, do you think that'll help us? Well, I think it. I think it's helpful. And in the future, when when I'm myself facing such an experience, um, I will think back to that that experience with my dad, really, where it was so clear that. The, the, rea- the, 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 the reality that was him was not there lying in that in that in that body. So, um, so he hasn't really died. Mm-hmm. But he li- he was living on. It was so clear to me. So I just I, I think it would be it would be very helpful for me to remember that next time. One of the things. Go ahead. I was just going to mention the wonderful little book. I don't know whether it's still available. um, Called "What Is Death" by Alan Watson from the Circle of Atonement. It's just a little booklet. It's probably about six or seven dollars or something, and he really goes into the whole the whole subject of death very very nicely. Highly recommend that book. Oh, good. One of the things I think of as we're talking about this, Ian, is the special relationship. And I describe this special relationship, and for those who are new to A Course in Miracles, Course in Miracles talks about two kinds of relationships that we can have. There's the special relationship and the holy relationship. And one of the ways I describe the special relationship is that it provides the illusion of you plus me equals shelter against the storm. So the special relationship is an ego-based relationship. We are identified with the body, and we're trying to separate ourselves from the rest of humanity or the rest of the world, you you complete me. It's that Jerry Maguire relationship mm. versus the holy relationship, which is supportive of us remembering the unity and oneness of all life. So if we are in a special relationship with someone and they appear to be dying, the physical body appears to be dying, then it is this truly magnificent and deeply challenging opportunity for us to come to our senses and realize that every relationship we have with everyone, each person in our life, including every animal, is it's an eternal relationship. It cannot end because it's born of love, which has no end and no beginning. 
So if we're trapped into seeing ourselves as a body, trapped into seeing our, our loved ones as a body, then we're trapped into suffering. And the death of the body will bring excruciating suffering. Yes. Again, I think that's what I experienced with, with, with my dad, that he was, that he was living on, um, in eternity. No, again, that was so clear. But the whole thing about the special relationship is really interesting because, um, uh, at the heart of the special relationship is the, the concept of lack. The ego tells us that we're lacking, we're guilty, there's something wrong with us, there's something missing, and we need this other person to, as you said, to complete us. So, and so long as that person's around, providing and meeting our needs, um, then that lack and emptiness that we that's are that our that we fear is at our heart is um, is covered up and temporarily um, uh, this um, what's the word. It's, it's disguised. It's, um, satiated. It's, it's satiated temporarily, so long as the, the other person is provided is meeting our needs. I guess when we're facing we're facing the, the potential death of such a person, then we're forced. Then that that lack that's inside is is um, we're sort of forced back onto it again. It's it's threatened to come up to the surface again. Um, that we're going to be back with ourselves and facing that 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 lack and that emptiness again, and that's terrifying for the ego. And so I think a lot of the pain that we experience around the death of people is not—it's not actually about them. If we're honest, it's about us. It's about how we're going to be, how we're going to feel. How we're going to feel about ourselves when they're no longer around? That we're we're forced to face ourselves again. That is so true. That is so true. So that that's going back to what I was saying about the special relationship. The idea that you plus me, them plus me equals shelter against the storm. If my if I'm getting my needs met by my loved one instead of the divinity of all life, God, spirit, and this one is dying, who's how am I going to get my needs met? Right. Well, it, adopting that kind of thinking that we get our needs met from outside ourselves is bound to lead to failure and disappointment. Even if the person doesn't die, I mean, that's just a specific and extreme case and they're not coming back. But um, even if the you know, relationship fails, you know, a person leaves or a person changes. Maybe they, they're not interested in you in the same way as they were before or they get they get another... Um, or anything, you know, circumstances always change. Nothing ever stays the same in this world. 
Um, so each time that we get we're faced with that kind of situation, it's almost as, it's, it's as if the person's died. Really, the 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 the, uh, the dynamic is the same that we're forced back onto in onto ourselves again. So then we come back to okay, so what do we do about this? And I would say again, apply the principles of a course in miracles. Uh, pray. Ask to see peace in the situation. Ask to see your. Ask to be reminded of the truth of who you are in the midst of this situation. I think any any of life's challenges, in the face of any of life's challenges, the thing to always keep in mind is who am I in this in this situation? Am I am I the victim? Am I the person who's gonna? Uh, believe that they're unfairly treated, that they're losing something, that they're they're, they're lacking, they're incomplete, they're, they're 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 broken, or do we remind ourselves in the situation of the truth of our of our wholeness, our divinity, regardless of circumstances? You bring up a wonderful point here, Ian, because. For many people, the seeming end of a relationship uh, or even the dramatic changing of a relationship, for instance, like a divorce, mm-hmm. a separation, or um, the end of a job. Sometimes people are fired or they're downsized or things like that happen, and it feels like a death. Oh, I wrote, I wrote in my book about a friend of mine who moved to New Zealand. I mean, she didn't die. Nothing terrible happened. She moved to New Zealand. But to me, to me, to me it was like she died. <laughs> I just, again, well, that was a light bulb moment. I just got the absurdity of that kind of thinking. Because she was only in New Zealand. <laughs> so what, what, what helps you in those moments? So you were saying you were feeling like she was, she was dead because she moved to New Zealand. Mm. Uh, that's, mm. I think a lot of people can relate to that. They, they somebody's going to move across the country, or a, a romantic relationship breaks up, a marriage comes to an end, and people are absolutely devastated. It is like a death. Well, doesn't it feel like? Yeah, doesn't it feel like the end? It feels like you'll never ever find. <laughs> you know, you never, you never, you never find someone who's going to fill that person's shoes again, ever. Um, yeah, it's very much like a death. It's another so opportunity to to remember the truth. So we're back to the special relationship experience again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the holy relationship is um, really something something you can have with everyone. The form may be different. It may not be a romantic relationship. It could be. It could be any kind. It could be a, 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 a work relationship, a business partner, a, a you know, neighbor, a friend, whatever. But but the, the 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 content of that connection between you is is the same with everyone. And what's the so thing? Pardon? What's the same about it? 
for someone who might not understand what you're talking okay. about. Okay. I mean the, the the love connection. That's the truth of the connection between you, the heart connection. Even though you may not, it may not be expressed in the same way as it would be in a romantic or say a sexual relationship. Um, but the truth of that connection is is exactly the same. That's the oneness between between all people. Whether the, so, it doesn't matter whether the person dies. It doesn't matter whether the person's in another per, whether somebody dies or somebody else moves to New Zealand. Because there's always someone to have that to have that heart connection with. And yet, sometimes we have seemingly a much stronger connection with someone. Sometimes we meet somebody, and we might even only know them for a weekend, uh, you know, meaning you know, we meet somebody in a class, we feel so connected in that class, and we think, oh, we're going to be friends for life, and we never talk to them again. But there, right. there's that, <laughs> right? And <laughs> you're sitting on a train, and you, you, I've had that, plane rides, train rides, where you talk for three, four, five hours nonstop, like mm. you're, but then you never, never feel called to experience connecting with them again. So, yes. Well, I suppose that for that time, however, however short or, or even so by that train ride, that person's meeting your needs for that, for that period. Even if it's just company in the, in the, in the train for that period of time. Whatever it is, they're they're meeting your needs at that at that time. So you have a special relationship with them, or maybe it's a holy relationship. It well, it could be a holy relationship. Yeah, a divine appointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, the Spanish have a lovely expression about relationships that the the, the we could say the the we. We feel like we're, you know, I said we're, the ego tells us that we're, we're lacking, we're guilty, we're empty, we're, we're, there's something wrong with us. So the Spanish say we're like half oranges looking for another half orange to complete us. <laughs> right? What we forget is that we're already a whole orange. So the holy relationship is where you come together. And you may not express this. Well, you're not going to tell a stranger that, oh, you're a you're whole orange and so am I. Um, <laughs> But you might think it. Um, but you come together to this and you celebrate that in your. So if you're not gonna have that kind of conversation with them, you celebrate it in your mind with that person, reminding yourself that of who who they are in truth. So then every relationship, even someone you you see momentarily in an elevator or crossing the road or something, you can have a holy relationship with that person in that moment. It's simply that that remembrance of of the of the of the truth of them, of and of your connection with them. But your brothers. Would you say that the beginning of this unwinding of the attachment of the illusion and the special relationship uh requires that little willingness that the Course talks about? I think that's, I think that's all, that's all. The Course says that's all that's required, that little willingness, just to, 
begin to turn the corner and begin the the, the, the journey to uh, to awakening. It begins with that first that first step of just having that little willingness to take that first step. And how do we cultivate that willingness? How do we recognize when willingness is what's being called for? Well, that's a question. <laughs> um, I think you have to edit this bit out. I haven't got an answer. <laughs> well, for um, me, it's if I'm how do we suffering. Cultivate? Oh, yes, give me a clue. <laughs> <laughs> for me, if, it's, if I'm suffering, it's, you know, I could see peace instead of this. It's when I'm... Oh, uh, right, I see what yeah. you mean. I, I okay. call it the divine alarm clock is going off. If I'm starting to feel right irritated. yeah 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 so yeah so any uh, any pain that we're experiencing is like a red a red flag really that comes up and says okay there's something up right now that's just drawing your attention to a correction that's that's needed and that can provide you with that you know as long as you have that little willingness that's just like the trigger for it is that what you meant? Yeah. <laughs> this and like, how do we remember? It's useful information. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> how do we it's remember? Useful information if we're in pain, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> how do we remember? To cultivate that little willingness, because people will go a long way down the road of suffering, sometimes years, mm. sometimes years or weeks or months. I just think it comes weekend. with. I think it comes with practice. The more mm. we do it. The sooner that becomes the reflex reaction, um, just the sooner we remember to do it. Because it's the, 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 the thought system of the Course of Miracles is about the complete reversal of the thought system of the world. It's the complete reversal of the way that we've thought before. And that's not going to happen that easily. It's not going to happen overnight. Well, the chances are, for most people, it's not going to happen that easily, and it's not going to happen overnight. There are a few people who seem to, you know, awaken instantly, but that's not the general. That's not the general rule. The general rule is that we're very resistant, as we've been saying, and that it takes time. So we may continue to to suffer for some considerable time. Before we remember, there's another way. But the more we do it, the easier it becomes, and the more easily we remember. I think. So I just say to anybody, just keep, keep going, keep at it, keep doing the work, keep doing the le- the Course of Miracles lessons. Yes, it works. It's like they say in AA, it works if you work it. Right. There you go. Yeah. Good old AA. <laughs> well, there's there are a lot of people that work the course and work the twelve steps at the same time. Mm. There, um, yeah, there's. Uh, well, I've never done the twelve steps, but I'm kind of a little bit familiar with it. Um, but there's certainly many parallels between the two and people who've yeah. done done. 12 steps and go to A Course of Miracles and find A Course of Miracles find that it's very familiar and they feel very much at home with 
really caused miracles, I think. But yeah. I had two people, right, I was talking to two people yesterday who were going to set up a Course in Miracles study group quite locally to where I live here in, in London. And we were chatting and they were with friends. And I said, well, how do you get to know each other? And it, it, it came out that it was through a 12-step program. And they both took to the Course in Miracles like ducks to water, really. I see that a lot in Los Angeles yeah. too. There's the, right. it's the the willingness to change, the willingness to turn it over, mm. uh, the willingness to accept a higher power, and uh, and, uh, and to me, it's a higher power that's not outside of us. Right. It is the kingdom that's within, and that, for me, one of the most powerful tools in undoing the illusion is recognizing the oneness of all life, the unity of all life, which in in a sense is really incomprehensible. Uh, I asked Ken Wapnick one time, I said, Ken, how do you explain the oneness of all life? I was interviewing him on my uh, radio show, which people can get the recordings at iTunes for free. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so I asked Ken, I said, Ken, how do you explain the oneness of all life? And I thought, well, he's going to give us the great answer. I, now I'm finally going to have that short answer of how to explain the oneness of all life. And he said uh, something like, Jennifer, you, you you can't understand it. You can't explain it. You just have to accept it. Mm. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> but, I, think that's, I think that's very wise. Yeah. So, it's like talking about God's. You know, you can't. We can't really talk about that sort of absoluteness, that totality that is God, beyond totally beyond words, beyond our the ability of our tiny little minds to tiny little individual minds to to comprehend such a thing. That's why it says in the Course of Miracles, we say God is, and then we cease to speak. You can't say anything more. <laughs> no, really. So the totality of life. Well, it is. There is no more that one can say, really. Well, and it's our willingness to uh, uh, understand it that allows us to understand it. So if we're trying to figure it out, and we're working really hard to try to figure it out, then I would say we're probably identified with the ego, and we're trying to be Mm. right about it. Yes. Trying to get it. So that we have it, uh, and uh, very often with spiritual seekers, there can be a, uh, a, a, a an egotistical approach to the teaching. So people are trying to acquire knowledge and information so they can yes. feel more uh, more better, more smarter. <laughs> no, yeah. I know good English. Well, the ego loves to have information. The ego loves to to, to the ego loves to know principles but the real challenge is applying those principles so it becomes so it shifts from an intellectual understanding to to experience so if someone but I was reminded of what you when you were speaking just uh, shortly before that um, of um, being open and I think these light bulb moments that I was talking about have come to me not through any sense of struggle or trying to figure it out but just in places of well, 
from the point of not knowing, which is a very powerful place to be, mm. um, in just that that those times of being open and receptive, and 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 they just pop into my head. They're not they're not um, yeah, not through any kind of striving. It's just suddenly there, and I just suddenly go, oh, of course, you know. Um, triggered by something that's going on in the outside world, but not through any sense of figuring it out. And the same with my writing as well. I can I can really effort at writing. You know, if I've got a deadline coming up, okay, I've got to write this article, and I struggle to get it together, and it doesn't really flow, and it's not that good. And then other times, I'm not even particularly thinking about it, and it just comes out of the blue, and I know exactly what what I need to say and how I'm going to say it and everything. It's just it's so effortless. So these effortless realization, these effortless aha moments are just uh, are, in, are incredible, really. Divinely inspired, of course, when we're ready. And you have to be ready and willing. So I hear in that, Ian, that it is helpful to us and it's also our responsibility i i use that word responsibility as mm-hmm. cultivating our ability to respond to yeah. the th- what's happening in our life we're cultivating that responsibility to in the moment be able to say i don't really know what's going on here i don't i've given uh, I, I don't want to attribute meaning to any of this. Uh, I'm more interested in getting still and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So In every that, situation that happens. Sorry. Yeah, striving to figure it out, allowing divine insight to flow in. Yeah. In every situation, everything that happens to us is an opportunity to learn something new and to grow or continue the growth process. Um, Including the death of our loved ones or the um, pending death if, you know, of our loved yeah. ones. And I know that um, I had this, a similar experience with my mom when she was making her transition. She had a long, slow, painful death and her body really um, horrible horrible things transpired uh, so the appearance was in her body but it was in during that experience of her transition that I really came to understand fully and completely what what the nature of the spiritual quality of joy is and that joy is unconditional joy is unprecedented and we can have an extraordinary experience of love and joy mm. and harmony even amidst and peace even amidst the most difficult most challenging physical experiences depending on how we hold it in our mind yes that's that's only that's always the only question really how we hold it in our minds how we're going to see any situation however However tragic, I I got a lot of gifts from 
my father's transition. I don't know how to use that word, but I will. Um, my father's transition uh, in, the, in the weeks, the months leading up to that. It was very healing, I think, for both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, I, I really completed with him. I verbally, well, you know, I said some things to him that I, I told him I loved him for the first time. I thanked him for what I came to see as being the um, his expressions of love mm. to me. I always thought he was very undemonstrative. He was very, very English, very British, stiff upper lip, kind of very quite sort of formal, didn't like hugs and things like that. Um, so I often, I went through a lot of my life kind of feeling, um, really feeling unloved by him. But I saw that he had a different way of showing his love, and I really learned to appreciate that towards towards the end. And it was, and there was some powerful forgiveness that went on. I don't know what was going on for him, but for me, definitely and absolutely. So I can I can now say I have totally forgiven him. <laughs> and Marianne Williamson said to me once, it's easy to forgive people when they're dead, isn't it? <laughs> they can't piss you off anymore. But um, but that was definitely my experience with him, and I, I really feel I had a healed relationship with my dad now. And, and so that was there was a lot of value in in that 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 time and that ending that apparent ending the way it did. Um, huge amount of value. So really, I'm really I'm grateful for it actually. Sad on one level, not around anymore, but also grateful on another level for for what he gave me and what transpired during that time. And when you were walking through that experience with your dad, with your mom, did you do you, do you recall that there were times when you noticed you had perhaps some judgment, some opinion, something that you'd, you'd wanted to be right about or you cherished being right about for many years and then in the the face of your father's pending death that you were finally able to say, you know, I, I can release this. I don't need to hold on to this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I certainly had had those those sort of feeling, thoughts, feelings, resentment, and so forth. And they just, um, well, I suppose I chose to let them go because obviously it was my choice. But the experience was like they just melted away. They just weren't important anymore. You know, I got what was important. I got, I, I got that only the love is real. You know, in a very, in a very powerful way. That was, that was all that mattered to me. From that point on, and that's still the case. And none of those judgments or resentments about him. Um, yeah, I'm working on my mum now, since you mentioned her. <laughs> <laughs> but to, as far as he's concerned, none of those have come back. So I have a healed relationship with him now, I think. I think it's totally healed. And the value of that? Which is, oh, indescribable, really. I couldn't put a value on that. Compared to the value of being right? (laughs) Well, that's only an apparent value, isn't it? Once you once you experience what's on the other side of that, I think there's no there's no there's no going back. So I still have some value. There's still some value 
that my ego has in holding on to resentment about other people. Mm-hmm. But as far as my dad's concerned, it seems to have the value of the of the peace that I experience around him is is has inestimably more value than than any of the being rightness that there was before. So I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel that his death then helped you improve the quality of your relationships with other people, by from what you learned and applying what you learned to other relationships? I think it's helped. It it helps a lot. Yes, it helps to rem- helps me to remember that what's true with my dad is also true with with others. But my ego is still kicking and screaming a bit with some. I mean, there are other relationships that I've healed, but that, this was a prime a prime relationship, really. But it certainly does help. Yes, absolutely. So when that the ego is kicking and screaming like that. What's the advice that you give to yourself? <laughs> Just to be easy on myself. Mm. Um, just to be gentle. To tell myself it's okay. It's okay. Um, because the ego would like to take anything that it does and have that be all the more reason to beat up on ourselves. Yes. You know, there you are. You're supposed to be a Course in Miracles student, and you're still feeling this. You're feeling angry. You're feeling resentful. You haven't healed this relationship. You haven't healed that relationship. You know, and that's that's what I call the, the double bind, really, because it's natural that there are times when we're feeling upset with someone. But if we're if we're upset at ourselves for being upset with somebody else, then that's the double bind. If we're feeling if we're feeling bad that we're feeling bad, I mean, egos do feel bad. That's just what they do. So, you know, it, it, it behooves us to forgive uh, forgive ourselves for our, or, yeah, forgive ourselves for our, for our, uh, our issues. Yeah. For, for being human. Yeah, it's okay to be human. It's okay to have human foibles and failings and all the rest of it, knowing that, knowing that they're not, real ultimately but whilst we're in them and experiencing them just you know give yourself a break that's part of the Forgive good yourself. news is that yeah. all of our mistakes are an illusion <laughs> mm. that's right yes well we are at time here and right. uh i i would like to remind everybody just we're gonna say a prayer here in just a moment and bless our time together we've got the homework class in the morning in just uh, 12 hours from now and uh, Ian your book is of course how many light bulbs does it take to change and uh, people can find that wherever most course books are sold well I'd suggest uh, you go to fearlessbooks.com or it's on Amazon as well in the United States and in the UK, you can purchase it through the Miracle Network, as well as Amazon. And tell us your website again. www.miracles.org.uk And you've got your monthly events that you put on, mm-hmm. and regular events, and hosting so many wonderful mm-hmm. teachers from all over. 
and you'll have the Miracle TV on your website. People can watch uh, live streams and uh, videos of uh, teachings, and also you have Miracle Worker magazine. People can yes. subscribe to that as well. Yes. Uh, it's a wealth of resources, and one of the things I love mm. about this Living a Course in Miracles class is that many people, when they hear the sound of a person's voice, they get activated. Oh, ah, that that's my teacher. Many people realize, oh, that person is speaking in the voice that I can understand. And uh, I love what it says in the teacher's manual that uh, it, it, it's all pre-assigned. And so when we hear the voice of our teacher, we can say, oh, yes. We hear the voice of our friend, we can say, oh, yes. And that really helps us, I think, also to see beyond the illusion. Mm. So Isn't that beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I love hearing the sound of your voice, Ian, and I look forward to uh, <laughs> coming to the UK. Hopefully, in the fall, maybe in November, and that'd be and fantastic. Yeah, being with you in person. Yeah. Thank you so much for participating. Well, thank you. Thank you for um, letting me on your on your program. I've really enjoyed it. I did get. Went past really quickly, like you said. <laughs> so let's place our hands on our hearts and remember that we're all one. And take this breath of gratitude. Even now, we're partnering up and increasing our willingness. We're valuing what is truly valuable, which is infinite spirit as our life. We're valuing the holy relationship that we have with each other, and we're remembering that. All of our loving relationships are eternal and that we are one with the one. And this is the truth of our life. We are so grateful that truth does indeed liberate us. It sets us free. And we're sharing the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our liberation with everyone because we are one with them. In grace and gratitude, we accept the answered prayer is right here where we are encoded into our hearts now and forever. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. I love you, everyone. Thank you, Ian, and God bless. This is Jennifer Hadley again. I invite you to remember that your dedication to your life of love is the best gift that you can share with the world. Love is the only healer, and it's always available to you for the asking. Remember, too, that you cannot have that which you're unwilling to share. Share the love today. Love out loud and know that all boats rise on this holy tide of love. Thank you for joining us. Please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day.